But I, I would love to make this statement this morning that we all have a birth story. We were all born into a family. We had a mom and a dad. We all, that is something universal for all of us, that we were born and that we would have a mom and dad. But I would also like to make the case today that we all have an adoption story as well. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here today, Lord, I pray that you, um, you would open our hearts and minds to, to recognize your presence, to, to hear your word shared, and that we can uh, just take in your guidance, your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you use me today by the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that what is said is pleasing to you and honoring to you, God. Uh, use this time that we have together. Um, pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a couple weeks ago, I was going through the book of Galatians with you all, and we're coming back. Uh, this is the part two of our Galatians series, and um, if you want to open up your pew Bible, you can. The page number is up on the screen, and it's super tiny, 1813, if you would like to open up to that, or if you have your own Bible with, or if you want to use your smartphone. Uh, we're starting off, actually... We're not going to start right away in, in chapter 4. I feel like we need to have kind of that little tie-on from chapter 3 to go into verse 4. And it just, it'll make things flow a little bit more and make a little bit better sense. So we're actually starting in Galatians 3.23 is where we're starting at. Um, so go ahead and, and as you're flipping or scrolling or viewing, um, we're going to start off in Galatians 3.23. So I'll read to you all. And let's just remember, you know, the first part of this, this series was focusing on the gospel. And that's kind of the, the resounding call of Galatians, is remembering the gospel. So let's start off in Galatians 3.23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Now, our church, typically we go through the NIV version of the Bible, and um, I personally am a, a Christian Standard Bible fan. However, I don't carry it around with me because the thing is massive. Um, but we all have our different versions of the Bible and different translations. And uh, so when we read Scripture together, sometimes we'll be like, oh, that's, that's a different word there. And specifically, the, when that verse ended on 25, it uses the word guardian. And now different translations, they use different words. And uh, some use the word tutor, some use the word schoolmaster, and my favorite word that I saw in my studies was disciplinarian. So it just keeps getting better. So when Paul is saying, what, what Paul is saying as he, as he wrote this letter is that the law to the Ten Commandments, what we know, the thou shalt nots, that these rules in the Old Testament, they're kind of like a tutor or guardian. And, and for some of us, maybe we were A-plus students. I was not one of them. Uh, but some of us, if we weren't that student, we had to have a tutor. And the thing is, is we have our teacher, and we also have this tutor. And tutors are, are helpful, but they aren't actually the teacher. Maybe it was one of your classmates that was much smarter than you, or someone that was just a little bit further along. And the thing is, is the tutor, they, they aren't meant to be with you constantly. They're not going to be just walking alongside you, keeping reminding you, like, this is how the quadratic equation works. 
they can only get you so far. And the thing is, is they are there to guide you until it's time to see that teacher again. Let's continue on into verse 26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And Paul goes on to say that the Galatians, as he writes to them, that they are all children of God. So the question for us today is, does this mean that everyone is a child of God? And it might surprise the answer, as he's writing this to the Galatian church, the answer is no. Because Paul is, when we look at the context, Paul is speaking specifically to the Galatian church, which is made up of believers in Jesus. And so they are those who have responded to the gospel message, they've heard it. And we can clearly see that in verse 27, he's speaking to those who have made a commitment and have been baptized in Jesus Christ. So that's who he's writing to. Now, as I shared with the kiddos earlier about baptism, and this past summer, you know, for me, I got to baptize my, my first person to baptize, which is a real honor to get to do that. Um, but I have, I've had to learn a lot about it. And I think for some of us, we, we were wee little ones when we were baptized. I was five, and uh, I now really want to find that banner to show off because it's felt, because in the 90s, everything had to be made out of felt. Um, but it's something to remember it. But baptism, when we look at it, it is a sacrament. It is a sacrament of the Christian faith. And it is a commandment from Jesus that we are baptized by water as a sign that points to his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and it's to identify us with his, it's to identify with his sacrifice for us. And by being a sign, it is a seal as a part of our salvation that we are born again. And we're going to hop over to the book of Acts just for a few verses. Um, so fast forward to Jesus has passed. Jesus, it's a few weeks after Jesus has died, and his disciples and a few committed followers, they're waiting in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so later, Peter is preaching the gospel to thousands of people. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the story of how after Peter preached the gospel, that people, they were kind of cut to the heart. They're like, what can I do to be saved? And the thing is, is and we can look at today's church and kind of say, like, see, the, this is maybe the way we should be approaching it. But Peter didn't say, repeat this prayer after me. And he didn't say, just follow us and come to church once a week and hit that like bell and subscribe and all. He didn't say those things. Let's go back to the, old, the New Testament, Nate. Uh, but in Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39, this is Peter's words, he replied to these people as they're asking, what do we do? He said, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all, all whom the Lord our God will call. They were to do two things, repent and be baptized. So that day, 3,000 people, they were like, 
Sign me up. They were baptized. They were water baptized. And there was no baptism class. They didn't have to sit through all that stuff. There was no process. They just said, I'm a committed follower, converting sins to be forgiven. And Paul tells the Galatians, if you've been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. And Christians, we need to live the gospel on the inside, and we need to show it on the outside. Because when we get saved, our heart is no more the same heart. It has changed. And our outward lives express that change. When we are baptized in water, we're saying to the world, I am crucified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And just to be a little tongue-in-cheek, when we're serious about relationships, we show our commitment. Now, I remember as a young man in my 20s that my buddies, when they were dating a girl, they would like to use these words, wife or wifey, to describe their girlfriend. That was their, and maybe they had other terms of endearment. And, uh, but as a married man today, I look back at that, and I probably if I had had girlfriends in my 20s, I would have probably done the same thing. But I look at it now as a husband, and I just shake my head because I have a wife, Christine. She is a real person. She is a real, the love of my life. And I have shown commitment. I've shown commitment by buying her a ring, by, by getting married and faithfully sticking to my vows, taking care of her for the rest of my life. And just as an aside, I would love for all of you wives in the room to steal your husband's phone and look at how he has you listed in his phone, uh, just for a fun conversation maybe at lunchtime. Uh, But it's just, if they have wife or wifey, maybe change it up. But as I said, all these things, the vows, the rings, getting married, that's commitment. And living our lives for Jesus is a commitment. It is a lifelong commitment for us all. We read on in Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you, all, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So when we read that list, it's kind of like, so what are we? So let's kind of look at these comparisons one at a time. So there's neither Jew nor Gentile, or, or in, in that time it would have been Greek. So neither, and maybe that's the version you've heard, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now, got to talk about the Jewish people for a little bit, but the Jews, they looked down on the Greeks. So this is why Paul's writing this. It's important for them to recognize, to not. But Jews looked down on the Greeks. And if you read through any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see a lot of examples of the Pharisees being stinkers, and the scribes just, they were terrible to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, because they thought, I'm better than they are. That was their, their mode that they operated in. There were people who treated them that, like they were upper class, and while everyone else, they were the lower class, because they believed that they were the chosen ones. There's neither slave nor free. Now, someone who is free has the freedom to walk around and do what they like because their status allows them to. But a slave doesn't have the same liberties. He or she doesn't have freedom. But when we come to Christ, when we take that step, that distinction is gone. That status is gone. There's nothing to compare them to those two. 
Now, this one might be a little bit harder, but there is no male and female, which before we just right away, you know, we can look at it from today's eyes. This isn't talking about gender confusion, just to get that out there. It's not trying to say there's that. But let's look at the context. And whenever we go to God's scripture, we have to look at the context of when it was written. And we see what Paul is really talking about. Because, yes, we see it in Galatians, we have male and female. There are two genders. But here, Paul isn't really referring to that. He's referring to status here. Because 2,000 years ago, women were treated like second-class citizens. And now today, there are still certain cultures that exist in our world. There are cultures and countries that still operate under that way, and they mistreat women. And if you think of it, you can look at our culture, and it is still, for the most part, a male-dominated culture. We can see that most CEOs are males. All the presidents of the United States have been male. And most leaders of other countries have been male. That has changed as time's gone on, but we can look at the past and see that that's been a pretty consistent thing. But when we come to Christ, and that's always what it comes back to, when we come to Christ, we are all one in Christ because God loves us the same male or female. Now, culturally, Jews would pass their inheritance on to their firstborn when they died, and that's still kind of common in our culture, passing things on to the next generation. But when Jesus died, let's really go into it. When Jesus died, he passed on his inheritance onto those who are known as sons of God. When we are born again, we become sons, daughters, children of God. But what do we inherit? Probably not a big shiny mansion or a big fancy Ferrari. Those aren't the things that we get. We get the kingdom. We've arrived at Galatians 4. You're like, finally, we're getting there. So Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Let's read it up on the screen. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And I, I love the metaphor that, that Paul uses in this passage. It's absolutely beautiful. He said that those who are born again are literally adopted into the family of God. Now, as I said earlier, we all have an adoption story. And, you know, some of us, we have experienced adoption in our lives, maybe a sibling or we've known of a parent a nephew, a cousin, a friend. And I have a story to share with you all as well. And I want to tell you about this girl I know. Her name is Hope. And she's 15 now, and she's going to be 16 in the fall. She'll be excited to drive her first car. But she was adopted. She was adopted when she was just a few days old by an amazing mom and dad that were unable to conceive their own child. 
And because of that, they chose, let's try adoption. And the thing is, is as Hope has grown, they have given her a home to grow and be loved. And now Hope loves to read. She loves to play volleyball. She loves to bake things. And she's a caring sister to her siblings. And she has been baptized and she knows God. Now Hope knows her biological parents as well. Because her parents chose to make an adult decision as teenagers. And because of it, Hope was born. If you haven't figured it out, this is my story, by the way. Hope's mom and I made the decision to put her up for adoption because we knew she needed a home with a mom and a dad that would give her the care and love that she needed. Hope was chosen by her adopted parents, and they brought her into a loving, caring family because of their love and desire for her, not because of anything she could do or she could offer on her own. This is the beauty the beautiful picture of the gospel, folks, is that God literally adopted us out of sin into his family. And because of this, we can learn a few things from his word today. What is God telling us? That the law, as we read the scriptures, the law points to a gospel and a need for a savior. The thou shall not kill is a really hard for people who are killers. Thou shall not steal is really hard for people that steal. Thou shall not commit adultery is really hard for those who struggle with lust. All of us have a certain sin that we struggle with. And we think to ourselves, this is so hard to not do. And I feel like I can't help myself. But I'm here to tell you that, yes, this is true. You can't help yourselves. None of us can help ourselves. We need a Savior. And this is what the law does. It shows you that you can't do it yourself, that you, we all need a Savior. And point two is baptism is the sign of a new covenant. When we read the Old Testament, when we read of the Old Covenant, the sign of it was circumcision. And in the Old Testament, men showed their commitment to God of the Bible with a sign of that covenant. But because of Jesus... We have the privilege of doing the same, not the getting circumcised part, but the act of baptism and identifying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's time for us believers to shy away no longer from being committed Christians and to really show the world who we are and whose we are. And my final point today is the gospel is God adopting slaves of sin into sonship. God takes a slave who is a slave to sin and adopts him or her into his family, changing their life. If you are born again, you are used to being a slave, but you're not a son of God. If you're born again, you used to be a slave, sorry, but you're now a son of God, son or daughter of God. If you are not born again, you are still a slave, but God wants to adopt you and change your life, and this is the gospel. So what should we do about it? How do we apply this passage? I'm going to put it as simply as possible. We need to put our faith in Christ. We need to be baptized. And we will live in God's family. So don't try to follow all the rules because, you know what, we're all going to break them. It's not, maybe not all of them, hopefully. But we're going to break the rules at some point, all those rules. To be, and 
So don't try to follow them to be changed, because you can't do it. None of us can. Instead, we need to come to Jesus and let him change us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we thank you that the, the act of your Son coming to live that sinless life, to, to take on our sins on the cross, to die in our place and be resurrected, to fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill the covenant so that, Lord, we have a chance not by what we do, Lord, but by what you have done. Lord, we thank you for adopting us into your family, for taking us in as your sons and daughters. So, Lord, that we can know of your holiness, of your goodness, as we sang earlier, your mercy, your love and grace, God. We can know these things because of your love for us. So, Lord, I pray, I pray today for those that are maybe having a hard time with some of the things that were said today, that, God, you would be working on, on their hearts to recognize you and see the just beauty of your gospel in action. We love you, Lord. As we close out our time singing this song, No Longer Slaves, help us to remember every day that we are children of God.